with all firstly Houston's been through and secondly all we've been through and now all that Puerto Rico is going through with these three massive hurricanes and their devastating destruction God has gotten me thinking about storms of all kinds that we face in life and a guy named Ryan Stevenson has a song on the radio right now called The Eye of the Storm talking about this very thing and listen in to the storms that he's faced causing him to write this song. So, you know, I lost my mom a few years ago from bone cancer and, and I'm the baby of our family. I'm the only son. Mm-hmm. So my mom and I were real tight and I just, I wasn't ready for that. And um, I was the one that kind of had to deal with her and, and take her to the hospital and hospice and all that. Right after that, kind of on the heels of that, my wife and I went through this crazy um, miscarriage of our twins Um, our church that we were a part of it was like our family was splitting and dividing and it was like all these people on this side of the room hated everybody over here and there was all this gossip and division and it was all just so ugly and it felt like a death and like i was i was released from my record company at that time i got dropped and i felt like nobody wanted anything to do with me and and then i had friends calling me all the time saying that their kids were addicted to methamphetamines and ryan can you help us and it was just this season of chaos, and I just could not handle a single more thing. I just, mm-hmm. I just was crying out to the Lord. I can't, I can't do it. You yeah. have to, you have to take this, Lord. And so, I just wanted to talk about the things that people actually go through, the things that make us all human, but always point people to the hope giver and the healer, the, the anchor, the strong point in the middle of every single trial and storm of our life is always Jesus, and He does not overlook. The details, he he never stops paying attention to what we're going through because he's in it with us. Mm -hmm. He's already climbed right into that boat and he stands there. And that's just, those are the things that I'm learning as I go through my storms is that I'm not alone. Jesus is right in there with me and he feels what I feel. He knows what I know. He sees what I see. And yet he's not shocked or confused or freaking out. He's just standing there with me, holding me. And that's that's for everybody. And so that's yeah. really where Eye of the Storm came from. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. When my sails are torn, your love surrounds me. the future I picture slowly fade away and when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face I find my peace in Jesus name in the eye of the storm you remain in control You know, it was just six weeks ago that the world's eye was focused on the storm in Charlottesville, Virginia, with the clash over racism and bigotry and white supremacy, neo-Nazism. And then the eye of three different kinds of storms focused on Houston, Florida and the Caribbean, 
in Puerto Rico, all with devastating results and overwhelming problems. And although indeed shocking, the Bible is clear that our broken world is filled with all kinds of problems, trials and tribulations, difficulties, dangers and dead ends, defects and defeats in life, which the Bible calls storms. They're physical storms, relational storms, mental storms, emotional storms, financial, many other kinds of storms. And Jesus warned us that in this world you will have tribulations and storms. Not that you might, but that we will all have storms in life. That is why Psalm 57, verse 1 in the Good News, King David asked this of God. Be merciful to me, O God, because I come to you for safety. In the shadow of your wings, I find protection until the raging storms are over. Now, I love the imagery of the shadow of God's wings protecting us from life's storms. I think the odd and funny thing about King David who wrote this psalm is that we kind of glamorize him, don't we? With all of his achievements and accomplishments beginning with the defeat of Goliath, we kind of glamorize him if he were some larger-than-life figure like a superhero might be today. But David was just a man. He was just a man who actually had many, many, many more storms in his life than any of us will ever have in ours. And how did he weather and survive all those many, many storms in his life? Well, he did it by not facing them alone. He did it by reaching out to God again and again and again for guidance, for protection in each and every storm it was that he faced. Because what always happens in a storm is a storm causes something presently with you to be lost. Now, for me, as Hurricane Irma approached, and I heard about the possibility of sustained 100 to 125 mile an hour winds right here, I started thinking that most of us are going to be homeless with the loss of our roofs and all the water damage in our homes. And in my anticipating that, I kind of lost my sense of security and well-being fully playing that possibility out in my mind for a time prior to the hurricane drifting and losing its strength. Storms, that's what they do to us. They take from us a sense of our security and how things are in our life. And they take from us the comfort of our well-being and how things are in our life. But God says when the threat and the aftermath of storm take from us those things in our life, whether in a little or in a large way, God says, I am with you to weather and get past those losses in your life. The Bible's word for getting past those losses from a storm we see God used with David prior to David becoming king when his men were away. And the Amalekites came and they destroyed the town they were living in. And they also took captive and took away all their wives, all their children, not to mention everything else they owned. We see this in 1 Samuel 30, verses 3 through 6 and verse 8 in the New Living Translation. As David and his men looked at the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David was seriously worried, for in their bitter grief for their children, his men began talking of killing him. 
But David took strength from the Lord. David asked the Lord, shall I chase them? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will recover everything taken from you. And the word here is recover. The original word translated as recover in the Hebrew is tasil, which is also sometimes translated as rescue as well as recover. You see, when it comes to storms in our lives, God rescues us from them and helps us recover, putting us back on our feet. And a third word translated from the same Hebrew word, tasil, is the word deliver. And this tells us it is God who delivers us out of life's storms and is rescuing us and helping us recover. Otherwise, we just try to deliver ourselves, wouldn't we? And we try to rescue ourselves and we try to recover ourselves, all of which by their very definitions you can't do by yourself. Many of the people on their rooftops in Texas flooded out, didn't rescue themselves with their own boat, or their own helicopters, and all of the poor people in Puerto Rico with flooded homes won't be able to recover by themselves, won't be able to rebuild their homes by themselves. And so thus, delivering people through rescue and the recovery process in these horrible storms can only happen with help beyond themselves from others. It's the same way in all the storms in our lives Our being delivered from them, our being rescued from them, recovering from them only happens with the help that comes from beyond us and specifically help coming from God. You do not have the spiritual boat. You don't have the spiritual helicopter. You don't have the spiritual construction skills to recover in you what has been damaged and destroyed and taken from you. Only God does. And that's what we see God did with David and his men. After David sought God's help, and God said, in a sense, I'm with you, thus go, as we see in 1 Samuel 30, verses 18 through 20 in the NIV, which tells us David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. In other words, God led David and his men in the recovery of what they had lost, wives and children, young and old. But they also got back plunder from the Amalekites and taking from them everything the Amalekites possessed. And in there, taking back all their extra flocks and herds from the Amalekites. And although David and his men lost their town, which really was no more than a temporary tent city, they got back their families and more from plundering the Amalekites. It's the same with us. And when God helps us in our rescue and in our deliverance, in our recovery from life's storms, although there are losses, he also adds something else to us that we did not have before. And the plunder for us here is perseverance and trust in him and a kind of pre-confidence for us to deal with all the storms before us in the future. So there are storms that come to us from beyond us, and we have no control over them. Certainly we witnessed that truth over this last month. But there also are storms beyond what might be obvious to us, 
which we end up stirring up within ourselves. And the Bible shows us several of these self-generated internal storms in the lives of people like the Israelites who refused God's initial offer to go into the promised land. And instead, they ended up wandering around in the desert. Numbers 21, verses 4 and 5, in the New Century Version, tells us this. But the people became impatient on the way. So let me ask you, have you ever grown impatient on the way? Lord, it's just taken too long. I should be further along now. I should be further down the road. I'm this many years old, and I'm not where I expected to be in this stage of my life. You see, our impatience in many ways and in many things can create incredibly painful storms within, which most of us are oblivious to. And here's how it happened for the Israelites. But the people became impatient on the way and grumbled at God and Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in this desert? There was no bread and no water, and we hate this terrible food. So what were they saying? They were saying, we hate the stinking manna. Because what do we have for breakfast every day? Manna toast. What do we have for lunch every day? Manna soup. And what do we have for dinner? Manna cotti. Manna, manna, manna. I hate this stinking stuff. And why did you bring us out here, O oh Lord? Have you ever asked God that before? Why did you lead me here, Lord? This place is horrible. We hate where we are. Let me say it's okay to hate where you are because the side effect is it makes you want to be where you need to be. But the only reason the Israelites were where they were and only had manna to eat day in and day out was because of their own rebellion against God in the first place. And now, because of their impatience combined with their complaining and their murmur and their continued rebellion, and we see this in Numbers 21st chapter, verses 6 through 9 in the Living Bible. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them to punish them. Many of them were bitten and died. And then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned. Pray to him. You see, the Israelites knew the solution to the storm that they had put themselves in. And that was prayer. They realized they were powerless and they didn't have any way on their own to fix the storms that they had put themselves in but prayer. And so Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a bronze replica of one of these snakes. So Moses made the replica. And whenever anyone looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. Notice the key here is Moses prayed. The key is prayer. Prayer is the key which unlocks recovery. And sometimes we have heartedly uh, prayed, don't we? Sometimes for us it's kind of like a road action, like maybe saying the Pledge of Allegiance or the Lord's Prayer, or even a prayer before a meal. But prayer does make a difference. And it may not always change the circumstances, but it has the ability to always change you. So the key when you're in any storm of life is prayer. And the belief your prayer will make a difference and change you, and perhaps the circumstances too. But here we see Moses, in one of the more unusual stories in the Bible, told by God to make a bronze snake and for anyone bitten to look at it. And when they look at it, they will recover. So in response to your prayer, when you're in a storm, God will often tell you to look at something too. 
for those snake bitten. It was to look at what God told Moses to make. For you and me, it's often looking at the storm and the resulting consequences with a totally new view and in a different way. I'll have to tell you, even after Hurricane Irma's predicted winds were downgraded to the high 50s, my pre-hurricane concern moved from losing my roof to losing the big windows on the front of my house. The biggest one is four feet by eight feet, single-pane 1970s window directly centered on the open end of a cul-de-sac that my house sits on facing directly south where the wind would be coming out with 70-mile-an-hour gust. I have to tell you, I was feeling snake bit by its location, its age, and its flimsy 50-year-old glass. But I prayed about it, knowing that God could make a difference, perhaps by spreading his protective wings over it, like David prayed about in Psalm 57. But I prayed about it, knowing God could definitely make a difference in me, having me look at the situation and potential consequences differently. And God did just that. He reminded me that losing a window would be a whole lot better than losing a roof that I'd been concerned about just a couple of days before. God reminded me that losing a window wasn't a sure thing either. So stop stirring up this internal storm inside yourself, Bill, in response to the external storm that might be coming your way. It's funny, isn't it? How often we all do this, isn't it? We too end up snake bit by our stirring up internal storms within as a response to a storm external to us going on around us. It's kind of like we open the windows and let the external storm in to churn up the wind and the rain inside. And that's what it was like with David after the destruction of his town. And everyone's family and possessions were carried off. All the men let the storm come inside them to become angry enough at David to want to kill him. But David prayed to God. And in response, God said, go. And the result was everyone's possessions and everyone's family were recovered, along with all the extra Amalekite stuff that they took as their plunder. They weathered the storm, but ended up with things they didn't have before and a greater faith in God as well. And that's what we end up with, too, in response to storms in our lives. When we lift them up to God, knowing he will make a difference, and when we end up rescued and recovered and delivered by God, we have kind of a new way of seeing things and seeing ourselves. And that's how prayer plunders the storms that we face in life, which come upon us from beyond ourselves. But here's the thing. Many of our internal life storms we generate by ourselves, often without ever really realizing it, by stirring up within ourselves all sorts of things like impatience. Israelites weren't alone in weathering the winds of impatience because so many of our own storms in our lives and culture and relationships become stirred up by our own inability to wait. Isn't that true? Indeed, delayed gratification is the eye of a storm that many of us, we don't really know how to deal with. And often it sounds something like this, I want it and I want it now, even if it makes no sense, even if it's unreasonable. Even if I can't really afford it financially, can't really afford it relationally, can't really afford it situationally, we crave things we don't really need with resources we don't really have to impress people we don't really know. 
And anytime we get impatient and in a hurry and take a shortcut to some place we don't need to go, there's a temptation behind it. And although you aren't aware of it at the time, it stirs up a storm within you with some damaging winds that you're definitely going to feel later. And so we trade the peace and the safety and security of calm and contentment for chasing some kind of wind that will simply blow us away from where it is we really want to be and where God really wants us to be. Then another internal storm beyond impatience we create within ourselves is our annoyance and avoidance of the truth about ourselves, about our relationships with others, about our circumstances. And we see the effects of this storm in the Bible with a guy named King Jeroboam. When he really didn't want to hear the bad news about the things he had permitted in his life and the bad news about the things he had permitted in the life of Israel that were being told to him by a prophet, as we see in 1 Kings 13, verses 4 and 6 in the Living Bible. The king was very angry with the prophet for saying this. He shouted to his guards, Arrest that man! And he shook his fist at him, and instantly the king's arm became paralyzed in that position, and he couldn't pull it back again. And you see, that's what our annoyance and our avoidance of the truth does to us. It's not a storm of rapid movement, actually just the opposite. It's a storm that stops us in our tracks and allows us to do nothing about the things needing attention in our lives. Can you imagine the shock the king experienced inside when his arms suddenly became paralyzed and he couldn't pull it back again? Can you imagine your own shock if you could see how you were paralyzed by the avoidance of truth in your life as God sees you through his eyes? But with that realization, here's what the king did. Oh, please, please, the king cried out to the prophet. Beg the Lord God to restore my arm again. So he prayed to the Lord, and the king's arm became normal again. Prayer was the key to overcome his paralysis. Prayer is the key, too, for us to overcome our paralysis, stemming from our annoyance and avoidance of the truth in our lives, about ourselves, our relationships with others, our circumstances. Prayer causes us, however, to see the truth, which avoidance of truth keeps us from, allowing God to guide us to it and through it in restoring to us his peace and encouragement and perseverance. So beyond the internal storms we often create within ourselves from our impatience and our annoyance and avoidance of truth, this is third thing. It's our internal storms we create from things we fear that are unchangeable, we think, in our lives. You know how this goes. Fill in your own version here. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to overcome this. I'm always going to have to settle for what I don't want. There are an endless number of internal storms that we fear facing because we believe that certain things in our lives are unchangeable. It's just the way they are. And we see this at work in another king in the Bible from 2 Kings 20, verses 1 through 7 in the New Living Translation. About that time, King Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you are going to die. 
you will not recover from this illness. Now talk about scary. You're already gravely ill, and you get a direct message from the Lord. This is it. You're not going to make it. But when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to a wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you. I'm always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left, this message came to him from the Lord. Tell him, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. So Hezekiah recovered. That's the power of prayer. When you're facing a storm that you think concerns unchangeable things, prayer can change you. Even if those things don't change, God can cause you to see those things differently. Second thing that may happen, however, God may also change those things you think are unchangeable. So through prayer, God changes us, and sometimes God changes our circumstances. You know, years ago, Scott Kirpain wrote a song about this very thing. Sometimes God calms us in the midst of a storm, and sometimes God calms the storm itself. Let me tell you, the words of that song have always stuck with me through the years. So I invite you to listen to these words now.
love the words of that song. And I love Hezekiah's words following his recovery in Isaiah 38, verses 1, 16, and 17 in the message. This is what Hezekiah, king of Judah, wrote after he'd been sick and then recovered from his illness. Yes, in these very conditions, my spirit is still alive, fully recovered with a fresh infusion of life. And I love that. You see, that's what God gives us after we pray to him from our storms in life, causing us to be rescued. He gives us a fresh infusion of life. I love that, especially the word fresh, because when it comes to what we consume as food, giving us life, fresh is always best. We pay more for fresh. We savor fresh. We favor fresh as food. So when we pray to God in life's storm and he rescues us, our spirits get a fresh infusion of life from God. And we get to feed our spirits on that. Friends, it doesn't get any better than that. Hezekiah goes on to say, It seems good for me to go through all these troubles. Throughout them all, you held tight to my lifeline. You never let me tumble over the age into nothing. So in all of your life storms, whether they come from outside you or you have something to do with stirring them up within yourself, hold tightly to God through prayer. Because throughout them, God is holding on to you, offering you a lifeline in calming you and calming the storm with his fresh infusion of life. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, be with all of us, Father, as we go through the inevitable storms that we'll have to face in life. And some of them, as we've talked about, come from without us and we have nothing we can do about them but face them. And some of them, Father, we stir up within ourselves. Help us to learn the difference and help us to minimize those things that cause storms within that are unnecessary. And help us with the external storms and everything we face, Father, to pray to you, to seek your protection and your guidance and your deliverance and your rescue and your recovery because they can never really come from us, Father. They can only come from you. And in that, Father, may we receive that fresh infusion of life that our spirits can feed upon. Help us to be open to all this you've shown us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.